This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to season number three, and this is our second episode here. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our introduction, where we introduced the topic of season three, I would encourage you to go back, go back one episode here and listen as we introduce what we want to talk about here. You'll find out soon enough if you stick around, but go back and listen to the previous episode. It'll be a great help, builds a good foundation for what we're talking about today. A little bit about our information here. Make sure you visit our website at facebook.com forward slash rwmin. You can message us there, share us with others, like us for the quickest updates that are put out, and make sure you check out the content there, verses, quotes, etc. And then also remember we have the Rejoicing in the Word blog put out by Pastor's wife, uh, Miss Valerie Starnes, and that can be a great blessing to you as well. You can find that at svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. And then also remember our direct link for the podcast is svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod, and we're available on all major podcast platforms. So today's title, I guess you'd say, for the episode is... Really, what is the mind? What is the mind? Yeah. You know, last last week we really looked at the need as it was that highlighted or underscored why we would do a series on the mind. And usually when people think of the mind, you know, we think of it in the context of, of the West, if you will. We think of it as uh, it's the place by which acts as a central nervous system, and thereby it's what causes my... It gives me the abilities rather to wiggle my toes or wiggle my fingers. We think about it at the place of memories, of recollection, uh, things about that. However, when you look in the scriptures, you'll find out that it is different. And that's really what the source that we're looking for today in this episode is all about. What is the mind? Because if we're going to talk about the mind, we should know what it is. Yeah. Uh, And I think even in society, when we talk about mental health or things like that or uh, mental health day, uh, we're referencing more than just the source of our memories, right? Yeah. We're referencing more than just the source of our abilities and, if you will, our intellect. We're not yeah. saying that that's intellectual. We know that it means something deeper. Yeah. Uh, we may not be able to articulate all of it, but we're really referencing, uh, if I can put it this way, not our computing process, not our intelligence. Um, really, we're talking about it being something like a big part of the inward immaterial might we use us right more than just what adds two plus two correct we're going to look in the bible today do something of a word study if you will on this idea of the mind now there's another word that we need to trace a little bit too and that is this word heart it's this word heart and when we get to the end of the study and we probably have i don't know maybe 40 verses 30 or 40 verses just to consider going back to Genesis all the way down through where they're used. You take, for instance, some words that might, some of these verses to someone that has read the Bible several times would be very familiar with them. Others, perhaps less so. But when you begin, one of the first times uh, that you'll find the word heart or mind, really, is in Genesis chapter 6. And it's talking about the days of Noah. This this Genesis chapter 6 is the time frame in which there was the great flood of Noah's day. 
In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it says something, and I want you to think, listen carefully so you can think about this. It says that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, speaking about the unbelieving world that existed during the time frame of Noah, that was only evil continual. Did you hear that? The The thoughts thoughts of the heart. heart. So his heart's thinking. His heart's thinking. Not the heart just pumps blood. Yes. Well, and that is it, right? We think of the mind, central nervous system. We think of the heart as that, uh, yes, that pumps blood, oxygenates blood, if you will, causes it to flow through all the arteries, veins, and capillaries. Yeah. Well, this phrase has nothing at all to do with the arteries, veins, and capillaries. Right. Now, listen to some of the descriptions that are given, and this is about the heart, and we should be wise to consider them. In Genesis, I think it's chapter 17, we have that Abraham said in his heart. Now, we understand the idiom there. Yeah. We know that there's been times that we said something, but we didn't say it out loud. Right. We might would say we said it to ourselves. Yeah. I said to myself. Yeah. We might even go a step beyond and say, I thought. I thought about this. Right. Or what I should have said. What I almost said. And here the scripture talks about Abraham that he said in his heart. In Genesis chapter 24, a wonderful passage uh, deals with uh, Abraham sending his chief servant to find a wife for his son of promise, Isaac. And uh, it was a chief steward. And he says in reference to how God had brought Rebecca and, and it all happened in such quick time and she was willing to go, etc. He said, I was speaking in my heart. Right. That's active tense. I was speaking in my heart. And so we would say something like, oh, I was talking to myself. Yes. Maybe, maybe not verbally, but yeah. in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, here's one, um, Genesis chapter 27. This is that phrase again that chapter 17 references for Abraham. Esau said in his heart. Yep. So here's a couple of verses about the heart being far more than just the... Um, bumpity 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 of the heart this right. this is about decision making yes a dialogue consideration reasoning yeah. yes in uh exodus chapter 9 this is a famous one uh speaking of moses and and of pharaoh and of the lord but particularly of the plagues that god was sending how that pharaoh would have the hardening of his heart yeah now you know you don't have to be a uh, doctor of uh, cardiac medicine, but uh, doctor of cardiology, if you will. What would you say if your heart was hardened? What would you think of that? I would say I probably need to see a heart doctor. Yes, some. This is bad. This is really bad. I need some aspirin right away. Yeah. Okay. This is not talking about a medical condition. Rather, a spiritual condition. Exactly. Yeah. It's a spiritual. He's and who's he hardening his heart against? God. Yeah. That, that's exactly what is happening here. Uh, and so you'll find that several times in the book of Exodus in speaking of the plagues and uh, how Pharaoh viewed them and how he responded to them, etc. In Numbers chapter 32, there's a phrase regarding the heart, uh, that the heart of the children of Israel, uh, that they had discouraged hearts. Right. Okay. I guess we use that sometimes. We might talk about being sad in our heart. We might have an opportunity, particularly when we were in school or if we know somebody that's in school and they have a project and the project is so heavy upon them uh, that they are sad in their heart. Sure. Here's yeah. the idea of not having courage. We might would talk about 
um, from a historical point of view that you need to take courage, have a courageous heart. Right. Yeah. Um, years ago, there was a, uh, um, book that came out. It was the red badge of courage. Yeah. Yeah. I read that in high school. Yeah. And it was, you know, the fellows, the red badge, this is a spoiler alert to anyone that has not read this book from like 150 years ago, <laughs> but essentially it's him getting wounded. Right. Yeah. That's what it was. And he is very uncourageous. He doesn't have the heart for war and it's that whole process right. uh, that comes about. But here's discouraging regarding the children of Israel discouraged heart. Uh, there's several of them that still remain. We think of Deuteronomy, um, speaking of uh, Moses and, and the children of Israel that God had given them a heart to perceive. When we think of perception, what do we think of? Eyes and ears and smell. Yes. And, all those and, and even by remembering them, we might even attribute it to the mind, but we don't often talk about the heart right. perceiving. Yeah. In First Corinthians, or I always do that, First Chronicles 12, we have a perfect heart. And you'll find that same thing later in the Psalms where he talks about having a or a desire to have a perfect heart. Right. Back to our heart perceiving, I guess probably the closest thing we have is, oh, that touched my heart. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, something cute happened or something adorable or... Someone did something heroic for somebody, it just touches your heart. Yeah. Um, moving forward, here's a great one for you to add to your Bible study in that Psalm 10. You'll find about three or four times, beginning in verse number six, they said in their heart. Okay. Again, that would go back to, like we said, with Abraham, kind of like talking to yourself. Right. Considerations. Yes. Um, Psalm 19, he speaks about the meditation of my heart. We don't often, we think about meditation being the mind. Right. Yeah. Um, Psalm 21, the heart's desire. Psalm 55, the, the confession hymn of David. He talks about creating me a clean, a clean heart. heart. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 55, the evil man, war. The psalmist said in verse 21 was in his heart. Right. Yeah. War yeah. was in his heart. Usually you hear people talk about evil things in my mind. Yes. Know, going on in my brain. Yes. You know. Uh, can you think of can you think of one out of Proverbs chapter three regarding the heart? Oh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's a good one. That, that is, I know many Christians that has been their life verse. Trust in the uh, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Yeah. Well, what is what does that mean? Would it be really trusting with your mind or heart? Is it a passion? Yeah. And what we're trying to show here is just using a lot of different ways as you narrate the scriptures. Um, Proverbs chapter four, he talks about let your heart retain my words. Yeah. Well, we would we would very quickly say, well, if we're going to memorize something or we retain do it with something. our mind, exactly, we do it with our mind. The memory. I mean, how many times do they have mnemonic devices uh, so that you can remember people's names back in the day when you had to memorize phone numbers, right? Uh, directions. We always focus on the retention of information being yeah. memory laced. Yeah. Uh, we- another one's Proverbs chapter four. In Proverbs chapter four. He says. Keep, my son, keep thy heart. thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Yeah. And probably one of the other more familiar ones that you'll find in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful of all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yeah. And again, when we think of the heart and the mind, those are interesting things. We think of being deceived we think of the mind being deceived. Right. 
someone playing a trick on me. We might talk about an optical illusionist, uh, and he he or we would talk about an optical illusion right. or an illusionist, yep. where they literally did something and it, the hand was faster than the eye, and they deceived me. And here, it's the heart that is deceitful above all things. Uh, of course, sometimes when you're reading through the Old Testament, and we'll find this in the New Testament as well, sometimes the heart is it's just the heart. heart. Kind of like in Second Kings, you have a king, and an, a certain arrow fired, a certain archer fired off an arrow, and it went through, and it struck him. In the heart. In the heart. So and by that. Literal heart. That's talking about the literal heart. And that, of course, as you might would guess, was a fatal injury. Um, Interestingly enough, if we were to go back and we were to then do a study on the mind. So take your concordance. You did a heart study, a a study on the word heart. Now you're going to overlay with a study on the mind. This is interesting. Just a couple of ones that I'll point out because there is a lot of them that have some common commonality. But in the Old Testament, the idea of mind... I think of one of the first times you'll find the mind is Genesis 26. Back to Genesis again. Yes, and in Genesis 26, what you have is the two sons of Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau. Right. And we mentioned earlier about the chief steward uh, over in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 24 that uh, regarding Isaac, the dad of Joseph, or rather the Jacob dad of and Jacob and Esau, uh, he said, I was speaking in mine heart. Yeah. Well, this is now a generation later, and Esau has gone. He's a very brutish fellow. That's what Hebrews calls him. He's a rebel. And the scripture says of him that his marrying of these um, polygamous marriages and marrying these ladies that were of Hivite origin, it was much of a grief of mind. Grief of mind. Okay. And sometimes we think of grief being a... Heart, you know, yeah. you would talk about uh, if uh, makes my heart sad. Yes, or we would talk about having a broken heart. Right yeah. here, it's a grief yeah. of mind. In Nehemiah chapter four, and they're rebuilding the walls. He talks about the people had a mind, mind to, work. to work, a mind to work. I would sometimes think that well, that would be heart to work, wouldn't it? That, that was my passion, right? Something I really wanted, yeah. not. So much the intellect of the mind. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 29, in talking about the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he said, the thoughts came into my mind. Now, that's a common expression. Yeah, we would use that one. And then finally, one that will give you in reference to the mind in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 5. His heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride. Hmm. And so as you really look at these, essentially, as you study the word, the Old Testament word heart, Sometimes it means the literal organ. Right. But most often, and and used together with the Old Testament word mind, it has a broader sense, really, of an inner being. Now, there there can be nuances. We could talk about the seat of emotion and the seat of the will and understanding. But a broader sense, it seems to refer in the Old Testament to the heart and mind being the outflow of an inward, immaterial person. And that would be the difference. You know, when you think about your body, that's how I identify you. Yeah. I can't see the immaterial and neither can anyone else. Right. Uh, but the heart manifests maybe the passions and the will, the, uh, the, the will, the focus and the mind. You might even consider that the logic behind all of that. Right. Now we come to the New Testament 
And we chase down, and of course, uh, there's only 27 books in the New Testament. Uh, there's not the 39 that there is in the Old. And think about, if you will, some of the New Testament references for the heart. One of the first is in Matthew. And of course, our church had this very passage. We memorized a good portion of Matthew chapter 5 in the earlier part of this year. But there he has everyone set and uh, his disciples are present and he begins to speak into them the blessed. Beatitudes, yeah, the blessed. Blesseds. Blessed, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. You come to verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. heart. The pure in heart. We spend a tremendous amount of time talking about the purity of mind. mind. Yeah. The purity of mind. Yeah. In Matthew chapter 6 and in chapter 12, verses 21 and 35, respectfully, uh, you have the treasures of the heart. That being, if you will, what goals, ambitions, loves, if you will, yeah. that the heart has. In Mark chapter 7, you have where he says, From within and out of the heart of men proceedeth evil thoughts, adultery, fornications, and murder. So often we would focus on that, in a sense, being the mind. But the scripture says the word heart. In John, uh, in, well, in Luke chapter 2, before we go to John Mary hearing of the uh, miraculous coming of the birth of the Messiah. It says, and she pondered these things in her heart. Well, I think about pondering. I think about your mind, the mind. Yeah. In John chapter 16, we have the sorrow of the heart. And then later in verse 22, we have the heart shall rejoice. Yeah. In Romans chapter one, we have the foolish heart is darkened. Yeah. But we also have the lust of their own heart. Speaking of heart in Romans chapter 10, we have that fantastic passage about believing in thine heart. Yeah. We come to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He speaks about uh, the glorious gospel shining unto our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And a verse that we've spoken of often here on this podcast, even in season one, uh, talking about the peace of God shall keep your heart and mind. Both words are present there. Thessalonians to the Thessalonian believers, and we're going to circle back just a few of these in just a moment, but first and second Thessalonians, the heart is very present. In first Thessalonians chapter two, God trieth the heart. Yeah. In chapter three, establishes the heart. In second Thessalonians chapter two, he comforts the heart. And then later in chapter three of the same epistle, he directs the heart. Then Hebrews chapter four, talking of the word of God, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, there you go. We have the heart yes, thinking. Yes. And then James, I believe it is chapter four, talks about purify your heart, ye double minded. He's referencing, no doubt, back to chapter one, where he talks about the double minded man being unstable in all his ways. If you were to take, as we will just for a second, and we look back over the word mind, and we do a New Testament study, uh, the mind is mentioned many, many times in Philippians. Uh, in chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Yeah. In chapter 2 and verse 2, be of one mind. Uh, in chapter number 3, talking about the false teachers whose God was their belly, he said they mind earthly things. Um, and that's to set a juxtaposition up against Colossians chapter 3, where we're told to set our affections on things above and not on things of this world. Right. You see there, you've got the false teachers, they mind earthly things. Yet here for the believer who desires to love God, their affections be set on 
heavenly things. In Romans chapter 1, you have those that are of, in verse 28, a reprobate, rejected mind, if you will. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21, that there would be those that are enemies in your mind. 2 Thessalonians, don't be soon shaken in mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Titus chapter 1, the unbeliever, even their mind and conscience is defiled. And of course, Peter We'll wrap up with this in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, you're to gird up the loins of your mind. And going back to the initial study, as we've, we've tried to point out, there seems to be a tremendous amount of overlap. Yeah. All the way back in Genesis, the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. These pre-Diluvian unbelievers, uh, thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. In Psalm 19, we have the meditation of the heart. In Proverbs 4, to keep our heart with all diligence. Yet we're told the heart is deceitful by Jeremiah. We're told in the Gospel of Mark that it's out of that heart that comes all evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications. Yeah. Well, we would think of adultery and fornications, but also specifically murders. We would see those as tangible, not intangible. Yeah. But their root cause is inwardly, and God attributes it, Mark, to being out of the heart of man. Yet, at times, there's a distinguishing mark between the heart and the mind. As we find in Philippians chapter 4, that the peace of God would keep your heart and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Probably one of the greatest distinguishing marks is really found in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 22, and this is, this is one that really has its root all the way back in the, the uh, Old Testament uh, Deuteronomy. Right, yeah. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God all with thy all heart. thy heart, with all thy soul. And do you remember the last phrase? All thy mind. mind. So there is a distinction. Now we could look at that distinction and say, well, and we do this in our day, right? We would divide the heart and the mind. Yeah. We might speak of the mind in one sense as a knowledge or an understanding and the heart as a passion right. or a love. So maybe like we go out to buy something and sometimes people experience buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. Maybe in their mind they understand and know that, wow, that's a bigger payment. That's a bigger monthly payment than I want to <laughs> have. And they know that. You know, mentally, financially, that's not a smart move, but they got to have it. Yeah, well, they you love it. You, you know, yeah. So somebody might say, "Well, uh, going back to your analogy here, I'm, I'm, I'm really it's that time of year and technology's on sale, and I really, really didn't want to spend that much. I knew I shouldn't have spent that much, but at the end of the day, I had to have the newest, the, latest, the newest the Mac latest. or PC yeah. or phone or whatever it is, and I went with my heart." This sometimes, that gets you in trouble. Can you imagine telling your wife that? She'd be like, wow, I really knew that this was going to be a great woman, but I went with my heart. I mean, that's just not going to be the lead you want at all. But there's a distinction that we're drawing there. One, in, in how we divide it, seems to be divided over an understanding, call it logic, if you will, and the other one over a passion. But both of them distinct from the will of an individual that really should compass both of these entities. Yeah. Even sometimes from pulpits, you'll hear folks talk about having a head knowledge. 
Not a heart knowledge. And not a heart knowledge. But there's a distinction between the two. Yet as a broad statement, while there are some distinctions, there are so many similarities. Think all the way back to Genesis. The thoughts of his heart. Yeah. All the way back, combining both of them, there are many similarities between the two, the heart and the mind. And so as we progress through the coming episodes of our podcast for the season, when we're referencing the heart mind, we're doing it somewhat interchangeably because we're not simply talking about the immaterial of either or, but rather we're referencing the totality of the inner man. So when you hear a, a society talking about a broken heart, that is a manifestation of the inner man. Yeah. When you think about the overlap of having a reprobate mind, that has at its core not just the mind as you might think in a uh, anatomical sense or a biological sense, but right. it really is a source of the will that directly flows from that inner man. Inner man. Yeah. And of course, we know about a inner man and an outer man. Yeah, we're we, supposed to put yes. off the old man, put on the new man. Yes, and that's the spiritual essence of salvation. But I mean, we we all know that you'll hear folks talk about they know who I am, but they don't know the real me. Right. What they're doing is they're drawing a distinction between the material and the immaterial. Yeah. And we all know there's a distinction between the material part of us. Yeah. Be, be, it doesn't take much to do that. We can go back to photographs yeah. when we were five or 15, yeah. now 25 or 45 or maybe 105. I saw a, a recent clip, I and mean, this is pretty celebrated, but there was this lady or so proclaimed that she's like 130. Yes. Well, I want to tell you, I don't know if, how they're going to document all that. But if you were to take this, this, this dear lady and you were to look back, she does not look today like she looked at 30. Go figure. Well, what happened? Outwardly, that right. that outward part changed, yeah. and that's what we recognize. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians, that outward part is an earthen vessel. Well, you know what's interesting is how easy it is for people to change who they are outwardly. Excellent. You know? But whenever you, I mean, people, I mean, that's what's, that's what is so everywhere you look on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on all these platforms, it's people who are, t- they can make an adjustment to the outward man. They can change who the outward man Oh, you man can Photoshop is. it. You can. Or you can add some makeup to it or add, or you can go to the gym and get on a workout regimen. You can do all these different things to change who you are in the outer man. But it's amazing how many people struggle with the inner man. It's not, it's not as easily changed. And so for that. And yet even secular society has understood that they affect one another. Yeah. And the fact remains that you can do so much for the outer man and it not be able to repair the inward man. And even a step beyond that. Sometimes the problem with the physical part of man is easily diagnosed. It's yeah. easily seen. I mean, um, I had one of our children that uh, fell out of a tree. They were swinging and climbing this tree, and they fell out. And it didn't take me long to look at it and realize, wow, they have badly injured their arm. Right. You know, we, we, we go to the doctor and, and to get all this addressed, the surgeon. 
Oh, they did an x-ray to see the extent of the damage. Yeah. But nobody had to really wonder if it was his foot that was really injured. Yeah. The x-ray couldn't see the inner man. But then when you're talking about an inward man that is breached at its source, that's something that only really God can see. You and I only see the manifestations. Yeah. The passage we were looking at in Mark, it talks about from within the heart of men proceed evil thoughts and adulteries, fornications and murders. Well, why is there so much hate in the world? It's not the outer man. Yeah. It's the inner man. Yeah. And that's what makes it so difficult because you and I cannot see that part of the individual. We see the manifestation of it. Yeah. And so, you know, the mind and heart can both be grieved. The mind and heart can both be hardened. They set forth the actions and the consideration of a person is seen in that inner man. So therefore, when our society is speaking about you know, the need for a mental health day, really, they are referencing a need that they're a need, a want. You might would say a desire, a lust, a whatever it is, a rest for their inner man. Right. Yeah. So, and, and it is unique that we have both of those. Yeah. Of course, time won't allow us, but we could even talk about a third portion in one sense too. And that is the redeemed inner man. Yeah. That's a, that's a subject for another conversation. But mental health biblically is really the definition that deals with that inner man. Yeah. So the Bible actually has much more to say about mental health than we often give it credit. It's absolutely right. We think it's a matter of marvel of, of the present science that we deal with mental health, not recognizing that the creator God that has made us has given us a mind. He made man after his own image and he not only in his word will instruct about the heart, the mind, that portion of the inner man. But he has a path forward that that individual can steward their inner man. It's a powerful thought. Let's close out this episode here with a verse out of Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And with that, we want to thank you for listening and invite you to come back and join us next week for the next episode as we look at what God has to say about our minds.